Hi everyone! Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by casting director, coach, and social media maven, Brett Goldstein. Brett's resume includes TV, over 50 independent features, 200 plus commercials, and a list of theater from her 10 seasons as a resident casting director at DC's Folger Elizabethan Theater. Today, Brett shares her honest and very humorous take on the industry and life, and it is so refreshing. I can't wait for you all to hear this episode. Let's get to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame. How are you doing today in your lovely new location? <laughs> I mean, I'm on a fucking golf course, which is like, like just, just, it's just like, I'm just like, this is, this is bonkers town. And I feel like I'm on acid. So I'm not, there's a duck, there's two ducks, there's ducks, there's palm trees. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like I am in holiday mode. I love it. <laughs> Loving life. Yeah. I don't know what's happening right now. All I know is in, on East 4th Street, where I still have an apartment, we had rats in our walls, rats outside, rats everywhere, fucking rats in the ceiling, flying and shit. Like, what am I in? Palm tree. Oh the only thing you gotta watch out for is certain parts of LA do have roof rats. I lived in an apartment one time. That's a thing in Los Angeles. Um, beware. But otherwise, that's as New York as we get in Los Angeles. Just they're by the way about the size of house cats they are bigger than my small dog it when you say bad. roof rats which by the way is like that's an amazing name for like a band or some shit it's like right? okay it, roof roof rats are literally rats that live on roofs is what you're saying right that's, that's yeah, literally so what they nest they actually make nests on roofs so um my first apartment i live near park la brea so for anybody that's been in the LA grind, they know that area of town um and basically they just came over to my much smaller complex because I guess they just were migrating. I don't know. Um, but I lived on the top floor and then all of a sudden there were um, <clears throat> some scurrying noises on my patio. My dog went crazy. Um, and there's like five of them just just chilling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, if I end up in a roof rat situation, at least it'll just feel like home because like, yeah, you could just scratch, 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 scratch. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was the whole time. Yeah, so I, I get, I'm used to feeling rats, which maybe is worse. And roof racks so yeah no, I don't know, racks, they no have, like, an exterior wall that way i don't know sharing walls with them is different <laughs> oh my god this is gonna be fun i can tell this is gonna be fun uh but so like for anyone who doesn't know and who isn't already following you on social media or maybe that does but just hasn't really heard your origin story how did you get into casting what drew you to the circus and wanting to hang out with us crazy people more That's yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So this is what happened. So um actually a great okay. So what happened was I showed up at University of Maryland. There were certain, I mean, I guess like it's probably like this in any department. In the theater department, there were certain classes that you had to get like a C or above in order to like graduate with a theater degree. So I had just randomly shown up and it was maybe one of three times that whole semester to my costume history class. And my friend Phaedra, I remember she slowly turned around and looked at me and just shook her head. And she was like, so you decided to show up? And I was like, yeah, well, yeah. And she said, you are such a waste of a big Jewish brain. And I was like, fair enough, fair enough. And so, and, and I said, what, what, what do you, I, I was like, look, I just, you know, I really enjoy hanging out. And she's like, yeah, I got it. So maybe you should do something like I have a suggestion 
Washington Theater Festival, there's this internship. They do like a hundred plays in a summer. I did it last year. Why don't you apply? Maybe they'll take you and then maybe you'll like figure out what you're doing with your life and not waste your big Jewish brain. I said, okay, cool. So I did it and I got in. I was miserable, speaking of rats or mice, but like, I was like, you know, they shoved me in a light booth. Like I, I had to do a whole bunch of stuff. It was like a hundred, imagine, cause you're from Virginia. Like imagine a hundred plays at 14th and T in DC in the month of August, like fuck that. So I was miserable. But then one day I was in the office and I saw this like probably around my age, like this middle-aged Jewish lady, like sitting at a desk, shoveling Chinese food in her mouth on the phone all day and the back of her hair was like blowing because she was directly at a 45 degree angle under an air conditioning vent which was like coveted in this old ass building and I just was staring at her and then one time so I stared at her for a while and they told me they're like that's the casting director she's working on next season you're not allowed to talk to her she's busy okay and then I saw this really hot chick and this really hot guy like walk down the hall. They were bare. They, 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 came, they came with like a fucking gift basket and like alcohol. So she's got hot people who are walking down the hall, giving her food, alcohol. There's a low main situation. There's an air conditioning vent, and she's on the phone all day. Like this is my actual goddamn fantasy dream. Like whatever she's doing, I want it. So I fetched and fetched. And finally, they were like, you get one day with her, but we hired you for a reason, like for free, but we hired you for a reason. You get one day and then shut the fuck up. And I was like, God, I will not say a word after you give me one day with this woman. At the end of the day, and this was scary because single white female had just come, came out. This was the 90s. And also we were up this very long set of, of um, like concrete stairs, with like, like, you know, whatever, like metal at the bottom is a scary up to get to the office and and I looked at her at the end of the day and I was like I'm gonna have your job in six months and she was just like great cool I got her job in six months and I didn't murder she got a full-time job I didn't do a murder she got a job teaching like I swear to god in six months at Georgetown and I got her job now she's probably in her mid to late 40s I mean, fuck, that's what I remember at the time. She could have been 38 and she's looked old as shit to me. I have no idea. But like, I was a kid. I mean, I was like, I'd not even, I didn't even graduate. I was probably like 21, 22. And they were like, yeah, so that line item in the budget, like we're gonna need you full time, but there's like $5 for you. So I had to wait tables at two different restaurants, worked there full time, lucky because, you know, I started working with this director named Joe Bano, then the Folger. Um, decided to like they split off from michael Kahn and the lambsburg which is the shakespeare theater and I, which is now called stc or something and they they started producing their own stuff again and joe directed the first show there after they had not been producing for all those years and then we won like all the fucking hell of Hayes awards and then all of a sudden they were like who are you kid and i was like i'm shiny and then and i just that's where it all started. So I didn't even graduate college until my 30s when I had a professor call me and be like, you're a dumb bitch. Why didn't you graduate? And I was like, because I got this internship to not waste my big Jewish brain. Because clearly I was wasting it at college and he like kind of finagled it so that I ended up with a degree. So I, I finally got it, but I was like 32. That's my story. <laughs> I've heard many a stories. I have never heard somebody be like, she had air conditioning and was brought gift baskets. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's, I mean, those are solid reasons though, to start a job. 
<laughs> also, like, like not for nothing, and like this is not about like lack of body positivity. And feel free to cut this out, but like for real, up until like the pandemic, most of my adult life, I was well over two hundred pounds. And so, like, when you weigh that much in DC in August, and I was just hot all the time. And so, to have that air conditioning then, it's not like me now. It's like I was just like, oh my god, I need this air conditioning that I'm hot. Oh, people that have not spent time in the Southeast do not understand what humidity is, especially during a few months of the year when you can step outside and you are as wet as if you stepped out of the shower. People don't get it. They just don't get it. Your energy and your essence is just, it's like pink starbursts. Like you are just delightful. Where does that come from? Like, is, did you have a mentor at some point that was like, you got to love it to keep with it? Like, where does that love of people and just real confidence in yourself come from? I think, well, I love actors. And I think that part of this, and there's like a, there's a light side and a dark side to this, I think comes from like identifying, I don't know, I, I'm really big into archetypes. And one, I mean, and by the way, this is the basic bitch of archetypes. So it's not like, this is not like, I'm not, this is not a fucking whatever, like, like humble brag. This is like, I am the basic bitch of archetypes, which is hero, right? And I'm not saying I am a hero, I am not. But I feel like, like, one of the things about that archetype is we like, we like being a very strong, positive catalyst for changing people's lives and help and like, and, and helping boost people in whatever capacity we can. So that gets me off. But the dark side to that is that we will find a dragon to slay, even if no one's asking us to, or if there isn't even one, but we will create one. And what's happened with me and actors, I think, mm-hmm. is that, and it's funny because like I, during the during like the, the hardcore quarantine, when all that was happening, I was I was playing like online games with a bunch of casting directors. And I've heard the opposite side of it from some of them, which is like disparaging comments about actors, right? That doesn't happen with me. With me, it's the producers and the directors and the network people and the ad agency people and all those people. Fuck all of them. And so the dragon then becomes them. So what I've noticed is I've, I, not only do I really love actors, yeah. I don't understand how the industry doesn't understand. Yeah. So I found that like there is this first stage, I think, of protection of actors. And that comes in when we're getting the job spec. And I would say nine out of ten times, nah. 9.9 out of 10 times, I'm like, are you kidding me? And so then, so, so, and, and then because of, again, all of this love and protection and appreciation and gratitude, but then also the like the fighting for it, like it keeps, it keeps the bond. So, so part of this, like this energy and enthusiasm also comes from anger. So like, then that's the dark side of it. So like, but I, I, I love actors and and I, I wish I didn't have to be a, I wish I didn't have to bite the hand that feeds me, but yeah. that's been like the course of the past 25 years. Yeah. Because even now, as you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. I've never, by the way, I've never cast like a network series. Like, I don't know what that shit is. Also, I was too young in the nineties to like have experienced that kind of money, like nineties networky money. Oh yeah. Ever, like you, right? drink, you drown yourself. Yeah. But now it's like you got even fucking Netflix being like, oh my god, we have no money for you. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Great. You do though. You do. So yeah, that's my little rant. But no, I I I, I love actors and I love and even with the coaching work I'm doing, like I just I, I I'm loving 
oh my God, if somebody gets like a callback or books or whatever, I'm so goddamn psyched. And I just, and I, and I, I love, I don't necessarily even love the art of it. Like I can geek out on certain things. I'm not like other people that are way more like film geeky or whatever. I, I love human beings that get to do what they love and then, and then are fucking psyched about it. That's it. Yeah. No, I, I think that there's a lot of actors that would gladly act their entire careers for free if they could just pay their bills doing something else, if there was like enough time. But the right that the industry is now, it is such a full-time job between content creation and social media and staying connected and staying on people's radar, but like not being like pushy and like not being like a Bed Bath & Beyond coupon, but it's like always there, but never wanted. Like there's so much to do and there's like content and there's, like, I get that the industry has changed so much because I, I was here and I was, I was working and very blessed to be doing what I loved before the pandemic. And then everything kind of shifted on its side. And personally, I'm happier post, but I know that's not the same for everybody, but I would love since you've cast TV, film, theater, which we were talking about before, my beloved theater roots, and you've done commercials. I, I forget the number. It's 300 350 commercials it's something bananas like bananas yeah with your hands in so many in so many pots what are you seeing as the future of casting and the virtual space that we are in now i think what's just going to happen i mean personally well first of all i will i will point out i mean i think most people do know this that atlanta was already doing a self-tape game for real for real though like for years before oh, yeah. yeah so it's like this can work it has been working we're okay and it is true like i think you you had mentioned earlier it's like there's if you it is it is shocking the difference between you know you setting out like like self-tape invites versus how many people you can see in the room i mean it's just like basic math and time and whatever so i think what's going to happen is that we're going to continue doing self-tape stuff and even like libe i know that like i think if i'm not mistaken it's like bowling misha like there's certain offices that'll do libe go cast especially for co-stars and then i think that for callbacks and whatnot we're going to end up going back in the room and i don't think that's that far away that's what i think i think that i mean i'm cool well, it's not like I live in New York anymore, but when I did, it's like I remember being like, oh my God, if I never have to go to Midtown again, that'll be a fabulous thing. No offense to those who live in Midtown. If you live there, that's fine. Just walk. But like going from the East Village sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we're going to be back in for callbacks. What do you think? Every time I think I know, like something will just like pop in and be like, just kidding. Switch. I have booked things off of a first tape that I I never I, I thought that it had fully gone another way and I'm like bless them like that was somebody else's part and then you'll get the great email from your agent and I'm like they didn't have any like questions and then I've read for and done self-tapes for something four times for the same role and then also never heard anything and I've had live callbacks and I've had in person and it's every time you kind of think you know where it's going at least from the actor side of it it seems like it, it feels like it's very like office specific now and somewhat like mm. director specific as well of like what their their taste is and what their comfort level is and that was something a recent guest shared that it has 
really made directors and producers more decisive which is good like having the tapes they can go back and watch them and then they're like a little bit more confident in their decisions which I think is really interesting sometimes not having been in the room with the people but I don't know but why why is that I don't understand why I've had two guests recently that do tv film casting and they said that they tend to give their four tapes and out of those four they'll pick one and when it was in the room these same directors would want to have a second and a third session seeing more people and for some reason they have understood now from seeing self-tapes and then like two years of working with actors from a self-tape to then getting them on set they now understand that they can direct them on set versus feeling like they need to be sitting behind a table silently and then asking for a second and a third session to find the actor that immediately just does it. Like, I think that's part of it. Okay, that's cool. I have not had that experience. That's interesting. In fact, I'm working with a filmmaker right now where it's more like more tapes, more options, more like it's, a, it's we're going in the opposite direction. Oh, um, but I'm psyched to hear that that like that you've had two guests, which means that there's probably a bazillion people out there that feel like, oh no, no, think like they're getting it now. I don't know. You might be too young to remember this, but like I, li out of my mouth, right? Because we New Yorkers do not like change. We're we're actually very rigid people, like in a lot of ways. And I remember, like you guys were do you guys are always ahead of everything. Everyone, everyone, LA gets such a bad rap, but like you guys are always like on it on it on it and like and and, and just it, it's not even ahead of the curve you're like you're setting the trend so i remember for years you guys were doing you know normal pictures like what we consider normal now like just regular color headshots that look like actual photographs and i for years would be like well that's because they're all trailer trash with their trailer trash headshots that's right that's all out of my mouth because because black and white makes sense Jesus Christ. The first time that I heard a teacher one time, like at a casting workshop, they were like, yeah, y'all can take off your eye color and your hair color off your resume because we can see that now. And I was like, oh my God, that's why it was there. Like yeah. sometimes it's like, it's just so ingrained in you. Like this is how everybody else did it. So we do it too. And then you're like, oh, that's right. They were black and white. You know, it was really funny. I just had this memory of like working for Elisa Meyer's casting and like, I don't remember why this would be, but like for some reason we would have to have like pictures faxed to us on occasion. So now imagine, like I just remember like Bobby Cannavale's headshot, which was already like 10 million years old. And like it was, it but and also really, really dark because he hadn't gotten a headshot in years because why would he need one? God bless that God of a man. And then it would like come through the fax machine, like take up all the ink. And so basically it was just like a sheet of black ink because it was like a headshot coming through a, fa a black and white headshot coming through a fax machine. Golden, yeah. And then, yeah. of course, I wanted to see it because it was Bobby Cannavale. So as much as you, like, clearly love actors, you understand, um, shall we say, their quirks and nuances. What made you decide to go and expand from casting to also coaching and working with actors more? God bless you. How did that start? <laughs> because it was the only part of the casting process I've enjoyed. So, like, so, you know, the casting process, what, what, what do we got? We got, like... First of all, you get it, you've taken all the information, which for me is usually a rage spiral because I'm, I'm angry because the actor should be getting a better deal than they're getting. So you got that. Then you got the disparity between what names are being offered and everybody else, which also pisses me off. Then you have all these fakakta 
like you know new contracts that the union is coming up with in order to like make projects union great except now you're really lowballing your own piece there's a whole bunch of bad that goes along with the process name list of names oh i don't give a shit like like so then there's all that then there's but what did i and then of course even making the offers and then dealing with the agents and like all of the things and i don't want to put on heels and go to a premiere like none of this do i enjoy what i enjoy I enjoyed being in the room with the actors, especially during initial when I didn't have some director that doesn't know how to direct sitting next to me. And even though he's cute, he can't fucking direct his way out of a paper bag. Like I don't, the joy that I got was during the initial auditions when it's me, my assistant or associate who's running camera and the actor and the reader. And I could just, if it, uh, I, I could just be a, just enjoy the show and just be a fabulous audience member and delight in their performance and or i could help pick it up a notch so that 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 best take that we send is so fucking great and it's a moment that we've co-created so after 25 years of this you know then then finally i was like why am i not doing the part of the process that i love and instead of doing some like because by the time you hug somebody and you ask about their family and catch up for a second now you don't have 10 minutes anymore you have five minutes and like what are you supposed to do because reading has to happen so if you get two takes that's great what if i extended that to an hour and actually did self-tape coaching which by the way i'm really fucking good at it it's like i'm better at that than casting for sure no one needs me on this planet as a casting director really and like and and i am good at this is something I, I realized i didn't know how much i liked it until i started coaching during the pandemic which is I can piece together a breakdown and sides and then like, and then the actor's special thoughts and like what's really in their wheelhouse. And I can combine the three and, and answer questions about the text that usually somebody needs another pair of eyes to see. I like doing that kind of weird puzzle detective work. So then I realized, oh my God, I mean, now I'm 49. So it's like, ah, it took you to you were 47 to figure it out, but that's okay. Like, this is the thing you're good at. So now, even though I'm still casting, the majority of my day is coaching actors and I fucking love every minute. That makes my heart so happy. I, that is like always been my goal is to like bring people to the podcast that love artists and love creating. And it's like, because honestly, this industry is too hard. If you can do anything else, you should like, you have to love it so, so much. And it's just, it's so evident with you. If you are willing to talk about it, I would actually love to hear from the casting perspective when you have such a heart for actors and you are pulled between these um, perhaps imaginative uh, budgets uh, and very low ball numbers. Uh, if you're willing to talk about that, I, I do have a couple of questions in that area. Yeah, of course. As actors, probably all seen, you know, stars names preferred, you know, negotiable on credits we may be doing like a micro budget for SAG audition 216 a day um but there's also this like little asterisk at the bottom about you know star names preferred and like if we're getting the audition and we're well aware we're not a star name so we're not their preferred uh we know we're probably going in as like an alternate why why do productions still do that what what is the purpose because i think it's so confusing for actors and i know from people that i've worked with artists um it also feels very defeating 
from the beginning, beginning, there's this thing of the, there's this chicken and egg problem. Like, I don't even know if it's a chicken and egg problem, but it's basically we won't get money to fund the thing unless we have names attached. But then, well, it is a chicken and egg problem because then you've got CAA or whatever being like, honey, until you're fully funded, don't even talk to us about this offer, which puts us in a position as casting directors where we either go, I mean, after a while you burn out on that shit and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore unless it's fully funded or you lie and you like lie about your funding because you figure, well, I'm the middleman. Like what's, what, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? I don't know. Like it's, it's this terrible thing where like, it, it, okay. So, so, so there's the chicken and egg problem with financing. Then let's say you have financing. Then there's the, like, just like you said, are we even going to have eyes on this thing or will it get any kind of distribution, whatever that means, unless we've got names? And then, then there's the third one. And this one, this is where I get super mean, which is the like, not again, not towards actors, towards the, you know, towards the fucking dipshit. Like that, then it's the, but it's a beautifully written, character-driven piece, and everyone wants to work right now, and they've never played a role like this before, and it is accompanied by this massive ego, where it's like, but they'll they'll all want to do this, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like are you kidding me? The level of ego that comes with the mediocrity of it all where it's like no 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 and then no 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 and then adding to the no is the like by the way now like for example drew barrymore having flower films or something like that like that's commonplace it's like actors are multi-hyphenates now with their own production companies and like oh by the way they can write themselves and they know writers it's like if they want to tell the story they will find a way to tell it and tell it better it's really nice to hear beyond just actors are frustrated by this i'm a big proponent for our union and its protections and i think it's far better for project to be union than non-union the safety aspects alone um but the the bar that they have had to lower to such a point to get some of these projects to go union and what actors are getting paid there's there's no way to make a living doing that like you could be working year round which realistically is not even possible and you still wouldn't make a living and that i think there's there's something wrong there's something broken in the system that more actors can't be able to make even half of their income doing what they love, especially when it takes so much time to be at that competitive level. Um, it knocks so many people that don't have the savings or the upbringing resources to even pursue it. That that's that's not okay. For people that have discovered you on social media, you are a hoot. You are sharing frequently like a ton of content. I get tired and I don't do nearly that much on what's my frames and I don't even know how you're doing all of this. You're doing videos, you're doing all kinds of stuff. I'm curious what, if anything, this is kind of the, to the same point about these smaller projects that are wanting names or numbers or whatever. How are you seeing social media influence or play a part in casting or the audition process, the review process um, right now? By the way, before I say that, I just want to go back to like what you were saying before that I just want to tell you for the record, I agree with you that like, it's like, you know, cast a really good cast and like have a really good script and you're going to have a really good thing and and it will rise to the top if it's really, really good. Like you can't just like make 
something you can't just polish a turd with like a star I, guess I, I disagree with you i just want to tell you like you're fucking right and you said it way better than i could so there it is okay now to this i gotta tell you when and this happens when anyone when they're talking to me about potentially casting whatever they're doing brings up social media whatever maybe we could get a and then I'm just like, listen, I am the wrong person, actually, for you, I think. Like, if that's what you want. By the way, like, full disclosure, I hire somebody who is a freelancer who helps me. I don't, I can't do any of that shit. Like, I, like all that stuff. With, I don't, I'm not good on social media. Like, I just, yeah. So, and I'm certainly not consuming it. So I always say from the get-go, I'm like, you don't don't work with me. I felt this way now for years and it's probably only getting worse, I would think. But I remember I was working on a series and this is back in like 2016. And there were two, and look, I don't know because no one said these words out loud. So I'm just making an assumption here. But there were there, there was a guest star role. It was between two awesome actresses. One is just like, you know, a normal person. <laughs> the other one or like maybe more like me I don't know but whatever it was it was like social media is not a big deal for her the other actress clearly had a bazillion followers on Twitter and not because she's like some kind of influencer she just I don't I don't know whatever it is she's got like a lot of fans and she would like live tweet episodes of shit that she was in like if you look at her Twitter you're like oh she's doing shit well they went with her now, they, again, never said anything out loud, but it's like, oh, if you can do publicity for somebody's thing and they, free publicity. Yeah. So, but here's what I think, and this is very New York, but I feel like if that's where your energy is going and, and, and like me, you hate it and you feel depleted by it, but you think it's something you should do. Like, again, I hire somebody to do the parts I don't like, then, um, then, then that's not going to work. Like you're better off focusing your energy on a lot of other things, including having a life, not that. So I just, I still feel that way of like, don't make that a thing. Cause then what does that also mean for a lot of people? Like, even if making it a thing means that you end up with like 1500 followers on Instagram, I don't think anyone's going to care at that point. I didn't network level. Right. Would you agree? I don't know. What do you think? Well, as an actor, it, it always bothered me when people were asking. Uh, there was a period of time where it was coming up in in-person auditions. And again, this was like years ago where I think it was just starting to kind of get on again, like at a short film, indie film kind of level. And they would ask you like, what are your followers? And then I started seeing people that were like, I think I'm going to start putting my numbers in my special skills, like a little, like a line item. And for me, I can take a step back and say, I could never do what like Charlie D'Amelio or there's people that are hugely successful on TikTok, on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, they're doing their thing. That's a skill set. But I have to respect their skill set the same way that other people have to respect that I went to university to learn how to act and I'm still consistently in acting classes. And you, that doesn't, that doesn't interchange. I do see the business side of it, that they want eyes on it and they want free publicity. And 
you know, there was a really great interview that Kevin Hart, there was a segment that he shared about how that he stopped saying that he was going to do that for free. Like he started getting a notation in his contract. Like, this is what I'm going to get paid if it's going to be on my social media. He's like, I'm not promoting it for free. He's like, you're paying this ad company. You're paying this person. You're paying this person. If you're using my numbers, you should pay me. And he's Amazing. not wrong. Thank you. This is like such an honest conversation and having work in all the different areas now also getting to know new actors. Cause that's another thing that I love is that you, <laughs> I love this video on your website where you're talking about going to theater and like seeing and going to showcases and meeting and finding talent. And I think so often actors forget they're so focused on like, we have to send all the stuff out. If you start creating good content or you're in a good play or whenever, and you share that, that's a worthwhile endeavor. There's a difference between busy and productive. Yeah. And I'm curious with getting to know new actors through both auditions and through coaching, if you've seen anything recently that really stood out and impressed you or was like out of the box, the way that they presented their materials. I want to punch a hole in the wall because I don't think it's getting the recognition it deserves. But um, there's an actor and like, and I would, I guess now I would, I would say that we're friends. I, I think that like in, in DC, we're, it's just like, an actor that I just happened to cast a ton and his name is Gregory Lay. And like, and, and honestly, it's like we never hung out socially, really. I think there was like a rap party or two that we were in the same room, but until like a couple of weeks ago. And then I was like, I really like you, let's be friends. And like, then this was weird. So there was one day I was, this is over the summer. I was at my sister's, I was sitting on our couch. And all of a sudden it was like, I, it was like something in me was like, look at your, your, what is it called? Feed? It's like the, the thing, right? Okay. So I was like, why am I doing this? I don't want to look at anybody's shit. It's making me hate my own friend. But I did. I looked at, at the feed and this thing, it's a Gregory Lay, who clearly I follow. He's got a series called Greg in LA. And I was like, well, and by the way, he looks like Jewish Bradley Cooper. Like, so I was just like, you click on this. That'll be fun. Like, you love Greg, Gregory Lay. This is great. And I held in my pee while I watched the entire season one. They're all like one minute episodes. And I was like, this is like bromance comedy, which is my thing. Cause I'm like stuck in 2010. And I like in every second of it, I was like, this is fucking genius. I sent him an email and I was like, I, what, what the fuck? Like, how, how much money did you spend on this? And like, what, who are, what is happening right now? And like, it was like, you're like, and he was like, yeah, no, I mean, I moved to LA. Like, this is something I was doing during the pandemic and I'm glad you like it. And, and um, basically I did it for like pretty much free. That's the thing. And so I guess, I hope that answers your question that like that, that I, I learned that like you can make really great content and do it for almost next to nothing. And I kind of knew that because I think that if I'm not mistaken, I might be really wrong on this. I had heard that when High Maintenance was a web series, that every episode, like the top budget was $750. Like they were making every episode for $750 or less. Yeah. So like, I know it's possible, but to know that like you could do that for, for next to nothing, you know, granted he's got like a friend who, you know, he went to NYU with who is a really good DP or whatever. I mean, that helps. But like, but he, he did this with the intention of not breaking the bank. He doesn't have that kind of money. So anyway, Greg in LA, check it out. I am a big proponent in creating your own content and taking things back into your own creative hands. That's, that, that helped. One of the things that I really respect about you, we're very girl power focused around here. The boys just have to deal with it. 
but I love that you make room for other women at the table your assistant, your casting, so like you make room for other women to work and create opportunities for them. And I, I also in an interview, I heard that you'd like to work with female filmmakers, things like that. And we need more people that it is a passion for them to have women creating and not a box to check for a network or something like that. And I'm just curious if there's any like organizations that you really respect. New York Women in Film and Television is great. And if you're doing New York Women in Film and Television, I would also recommend getting on a committee because at least also too, like if you're not into like big things where there's like a lot of people there or whatever, and I am actually as extroverted as I am, I'm not great in those situations. I noticed that like being part, I, I even noticed this with, as a part of CSA, that like if I could be on a committee with like four other people that are like working together to do a thing, I'm way more functional than like throwing me into a luncheon situation. So I, that, and I'm sure there's like a bazillion other organizations, um, but I that that was one that uh, that you can kind of like make your own because there's so many options and opportunities and a great mentorship program as well. Amazing. All right, last question that we ask everybody on the podcast is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self. I would say, girl, you need to calm down. Live in a place. That will be the water to your fire, which I stole from a producer actor named Lauren Shacker, where I was sitting on a friend's deck years ago, and she's also like a New York Jewish girl, and she and she had moved to LA, and she said, "I love it here. LA is the water to my fire." And if I would have done this all over again, and look, I don't know if I would have because at the time I really loved New York, and I always thought that that was going to be the thing or whatever, but I would have moved to LA at the age of 23 and gone right into probably TV, film, comedy, and not been ashamed that, not been, not try to keep what I watched separate from like my identity as an artist. I had a lot of shame, I think, around that. So I would say there's no reason to be ashamed. You fucking own the fact that like you love the Hangover trilogy and Tropic Thunder and Walmart and like and and you know and have seen every episode of It's Always Sunny fifty thousand times. That's not a shameful thing. That is wonderful shit. It's entertainment. It's wonderful. It's funny. You don't you don't need to be like an artiste. There's enough of that. Like work work with projects that make your heart sing. I, that's what I would have said to my 23-year-old self who had a lot of shame around art and, and not being artsy-fartsy enough. You were a delight, and I'm just so glad that we got to share you with our little What's My Frame community. So thank you for making the time to chat. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. You're awesome. <laughs>